Thanks for tuning into the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Priya Rao, and here with me today is Charlotte Knight, the founder and CEO of Ciate London, Lottie London, and Skin Proud. Welcome, Charlotte. Hi, Priya. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, first off, are you getting any sleep? I mean, with three brands, one of which has just started. I mean, it's pretty busy. <laughs> and having a teenage daughter, um, I am definitely kept on my toes. But you know what? I I just love it. So, Charlotte, you know, a lot of people in beauty probably don't know your background as well as they should. But um, it seems like that you really got your start in editorial and with Fashion Week and behind the scenes shoots. But what was your first entree into beauty? What was your first memory? So my first memory is actually with my grandmother. Um, Growing up, I always used to watch her in awe, getting ready for a night out on the tiles with my granddad. She would never be without her luscious red lipstick and beautifully polished red manicure. Uh, She used to sit for hours getting herself ready, uh, you know, spraying decadent uh, perfume all over herself. Her closet was filled with luxurious fabrics from all around the world and just the most incredible shoe collection. And I think that watching she they had an amazing social life so this event happened regularly where I would watch her um you know get ready for for a night out and I just think that that was kind of my first uh, entry into watching the magic of beauty and how it can make people feel confident and how she almost took on a different character once she put on her makeup and once she was ready to go out for the night and it it just it just really captivated me Would you say that that kind of allowed you permission to pursue it as a career? I mean, these days that I'm talking about, I was pretty young. Um, I think that's just what kind of got me into beauty and makeup myself generally, like wearing makeup, loving fashion, loving shoes, appreciating design, appreciating art. Um, And then as as I grew up, Um, I I really thought I was going to end up going down a a path of interior design. I knew I wanted to do something creative um, and really felt that interior design was was going to be my uh, direction. Um, And interestingly, when the whole nail bar scene was was, uh, cropping up in London from New York, anyone that was kind of who has been raised in the US, you've always had nail bars on every street corner and it's just what you've always known. Whereas in London, it only really started coming over in the nine, uh, in the kind of early 2000s. And um, everybody started having manicures every week and it was a really new thing for us. And so I became very used to, although much you know later in life, getting used to having weekly manicures with my girlfriends. Um, and it was through this that the nail artist who used to do my nails, we got to know each other really well. And I said, hey, why don't you teach me how to do this? Like, I don't know where my life is going. I don't know where my career is going. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do with my um, career path, but I'd love to know how to do nails um, because you can do it anywhere. You know, if I travel, if I, wherever I decide to venture in the world, if I know this skill, I would be able to do it anywhere. So she actually um, taught me over a number of uh, months of how to, to, to do, to do manicures and to uh, create gel nails, etc. And that was kind of how I first learned the, the basic skills of nail artistry. So nails, I think is such a niche 
part of beauty. You know, it's not maybe the first thing you think of, but today certainly it is, especially during COVID and the pandemic and everyone not being able to go get their manicures or pedicures. But, you know, I think it's interesting that you decided to, you know, go that route as a career versus say, you know, a makeup artist or, you know, an esthetician. What was it about nails that kind of sparked your interest? Yeah, I, I, I think at the time it was just the real buzzy uh, beauty treatment that was that was happening amongst my peer group you know because I as I said it was new to London as much as you could have gone to a beauty salon previously and had a manicure actually a dedicated nail bar was pretty new um, for for the London area and so because it was so new and it was fresh um, it felt like a really kind of trendy skill to learn uh, and and I obviously I all of my friends and family and everybody was getting their nails done. So I knew that I would instantly have a way to um, capitalize on this new on this new skill set. So that was kind of initially the motive for learning how to do nails. And then it, it was just kind of crazy how it all rolled out from there. When I was 21, um, I, I actually moved to Dublin. Uh, in Ireland and uh, moved there with a friend. And when I moved there, there was absolutely no nail bars whatsoever. Just, just again, beauty salons that offered very basic manicures. And so one day I was having my hair done in a hair salon, uh, chatting to the guy who was blow drying my hair. And I said to him, how come you don't have any nail bars here? Like, have you seen what's happening in London? It's blowing up. And I've been living here now for two months and I can't get a manicure anywhere. And, you know, it's crazy. And he said, well, what do you know about nails? So I said, well, I kind of did a course, you know, a year ago. I know how to do it. I was thinking about maybe building up, uh, building up a clientele here and stuff. Anyway, long and story short, we ended up chatting for hours upon hours and by the time I left the salon that day, he had offered me his shop window to put in a nail bar and and uh, kick off this whole nail bar scene in Dublin. And, and lo and behold, two months later, um, with a little loan from my mum back in England, um, I opened up Dublin's first nail bar. That's so fantastic. When did you know that you wanted to translate that into products that everybody could use and everybody could use at home versus say at your own nail bar. So through, through having the nail bar, um, I quickly um, started to uh, get, gain a lot of interest and excitement from, you know, journalists and um, TV shows. I, I became like the resident beauty technician going on like um, the, the TV show in the morning, giving advice to, to um, viewers on how to look after their nails and and started doing session work, doing show, uh, looks for front cover magazine um, uh, shots. And then also that led to fashion week. And so traveling, the traveling doing New York, Paris and Milan Fashion Week, I started to see the difference between the nail artistry being created on the runway versus the nail availability or nail uh, assortments in the retail stores. And there was a huge disconnect. And it was a time when nail art was going crazy you know Rihanna was going crazy with her nail art Katy Perry was constantly seen on the red carpet rocking the most outrageous incredible nail art so was Pink everybody even Jessica Alba like 
everybody was being really expressive with the nails, just like they have been actually since COVID. You know, nail art has really had a comeback. And it was then that I started sketching in my little book when, you know, when you have downtime on set at Fashion Week. And I started sketching what my brand would look like if I created a, a brand and brought a consumer brand out to the market. And I really wanted to bridge that gap between runway to retail and make some of these runway looks that we were seeing in the magazines, you know, flicking through, seeing all of the photography from Fashion Week and making those looks available to, to people, um, people, you know, shopping in, in the likes of Sephora and, and, and those, you know, kind of places. So Charlotte, you know, I think what you were talking about, you know, in the US at least, you know, we have these brands today like Olive and June or 10 over 10 that, you know, are kind of democratizing that nail art, nail bar experience at home. But you were doing this very early. It seems like, I mean, Siate started in 2009, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we were absolutely, if I, you know, if I say so myself, stealing the show back in, you know, 2010, 2011 and created some incredible nail art sets um, like the caviar manicure, the velvet manicure, chalkboard. I mean, we kept launching a brand new DIY nail art set every three months. And we continued to do that for about three years. Um, and and it, it created a lot of hysteria. You know, people were super excited by these sets. The sets included everything that you needed from tools to 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 application, everything that you needed to recreate the looks um, yourself at home. What made you think that, you know, this was something that, you know, was it was great that it was focused solely on nails. I know Ciate obviously moved into makeup later on. And then of course we have to talk about Lottie London and Skin Proud, but it really seems like you, this brand identity was all about nails and celebrating that. Yeah, I mean, obviously because my 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 education and my knowledge was in nail, it felt like the natural step to launch Ciate in the nail category and really focus in that category initially. And we continued to do so till 2015. You know, we only started to diversify into all things colour um, <clears throat> six years after we first launched. Um, and it was a really fantastic time for nail. You know, retailers were carving out space for nail. Um, there was a lot of exciting things happening. Brands were starting to enter into nail. You know, make, big, huge global makeup brands were really... Um, really um increasing their nail assortments and and it was just the, the the market just wanted nail demanded nail and there was a great opportunity for us to really fill white space and to bring huge innovation to a to a category that had really been dominated by two or three major players up until that point so you were really the disruptor of almost like the Warby Parker of eyewear. You were that to nails at the time. Well, I mean, we were referenced as the nail innovators of that time by um, <laughs> by WWD at one point. So I mean, that's a pretty a pretty strong um, reference. But we were we were innovating and we were disrupting, and and you know it, it was it was incre- it was an incredible time. So what made you want to branch out? Beyond nails, beyond, first I guess with Ciate and and makeup, and then again with Lottie London as its own brand, and then most recently with Skin Proud. 
So when, as I was building Ciarte out in the early years, um, I'll be honest, like I did not anticipate the brand to be as as large and as global as it is today. You know, I was something that I love to do, you know, a hobby, something that I got great pleasure out of. I I wanted to bring that to more people and and show my creativity to more people. The fact that it grew so quickly and we were given so many opportunities by so many retailers globally was just simply amazing, but it wasn't part of, I hadn't written a business plan as such to say, okay, this is how this is going to play out. After a couple of years after launch, when we really started to see such huge growth, that is when we started to map out what does the future look like here? How is this brand gonna going to evolve? Um, how do we future-proof this brand, you know, over the next kind of 10 to 20 years? And, and how do we see the entire company as a whole expanding? And that is when we started to think, okay, we have kind of become known as innovators and disruptors in all things pigment, innovation, and color. So when we diversified into makeup, we really stuck with that beauty triangle of eyes, cheeks, and lips. And we didn't actually launch a a complexion product for a really long time because we felt that, you know, people would have had a preconception that we were, you know, we were only really good at nail because that's all we had done. So by sticking really closely to that beauty triangle, really continuing to innovate in those in pigment and texture around those three core areas enabled us to transition really, really effortlessly. And through this, um, we also had a lot of our retailers coming to us and saying, we need to recruit the Gen Z consumer, especially across Europe. You know, a lot of their aisles were stagnating, a lot of legacy brands that weren't bringing product to the market fast enough weren't being reactive to the trends that were blowing up on Instagram and all of those other social media platforms. And and so when this was when this question kept coming to us often, we just saw an amazing opportunity to create a brand specifically for Gen Z that would help retailers to recruit that Gen Z consumer to their beauty aisles. But because of our um, ability to to produce product at lightning speed with all of our learnings and and vendor base from Ciate, we would be able to react to trends blowing up on on all of these channels and bring product to this to the Lottie community in record time. And that's really how kind of Lottie came to life. It was seeing seeing an opportunity, understanding the white space within the mass retailers that we weren't selling Ciate to. So it gave us the opportunity to be completely diversified, diversified across channel, diversified across um, product mix, and then obviously diversified across um, demographic as well. And when you're, you know, when you're thinking about your growing overheads, when you're building out a company, diversification in all areas is really key to the success and um, the growth of the brands and, and of the company overall. And, you know, moving into Skin Proud, we had initially talked about adding skincare to Lottie. Um, and that was kind of the path that we were going down for about a year. And all of our product development um, focus was on actually adding skincare to Lottie. 
Um, and it was really at the last three months before we were ready to press the button on everything that I, I really did wake up in one morning with just this kind of troubled mind. And I just called an urgent meeting with my team. And I said, guys, you're going to, you're going to hate me, but I'm really not sure about this. And I'm not sure this is the right strategy. And I just don't think we should be doing Lottie skin. I don't feel that it is, it is, it is meaningful enough. I want to have this skincare line be so cool and so meaningful that somebody would want to wear the brand name on a sweatshirt. They would want to wear it on the on, on a t-shirt. And it was at the time of um BLM, you know, and, and Black Lives Matter was front and center in 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 every communication and especially, you know, was so important in, in the world of beauty. And it was then that I tasked the team and I said, look, before we press the button on this, I want you to go away and really think everything that we've created with this brand is about inclusivity. It's about being proud of your skin, no matter the tone, the texture, um, the anything, anything that you have going on with your skin, like be proud of it. Stop, stop needing to stop feeling the need to filter your skin and face tune your skin and trying to encourage this Gen Z consumer just to love themselves more um, because social media has been pretty um, damaging in, in how much people alter their appearances. And, you know, we knew that we wanted the range. We knew that we were creating a clean, accessible, very transparent and very easy to use skincare line. And I just had this, like I said, this moment where I felt what we've created here is really something special. And I'm not sure if it's going to get the credibility and the respect that it deserves if it just becomes part of Lottie and it's an extension of Lottie. And so the team went away and we brainstormed for the next month and uh, all to, you know, collectively we said, you know what, it needs to be skin proud. We actually need this to be in its own brand in its own right. Um, it's that special. It's, it's a movement within itself and that's kind of how Skin Proud was born. So I guess what I'm getting at is I never kind of set out on this path to say, right, I am going to own 10 brands by the time I'm 50 and this is how I'm going to do it. It's kind of been through pivoting and opportunity and, you know, understanding the white space amongst our partners and the retail space Um if we feel it's right, if we feel we can do a really good job at it and we have a point of difference, then we have gone for it and decided to launch a new brand. Real quick, tell us when each of these brands launched, because obviously Ciate launched in 2009. And what was the cadence for Lottie and Skin Proud? So Lottie launched in 2015 and Skin Proud actually launched only last year in April 20. So we launched, um, you know, not obviously it wasn't midway through the pandemic, but it was certainly when the pandemic was really taking a grip on uh, the Western world. You know, you mentioned at the very beginning of this conversation, you know, you took a loan out from your mom when you opened that first nail bar. You know, I'm wondering how you were able to kind of bootstrap your businesses because, you know, obviously launching one brand is taxing enough, but launching two and then three, you know, 
that's very capital intensive. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the brands have been very um, profitable from from day one, but I do have a silent investor who has been incredible throughout the years of ensuring that we have had sufficient working capital to continue to grow the brands and you know jump on opportunities when they are when they are in front of us. So yeah, so between us, we have. Um, we have been able to ensure that uh, the companies have been, um, you know, have been able to survive a pandemic, <laughs> which is Absolutely. one of the, the, the um, most important things. Um, and, you know, keeping margins, keeping margins high and, and, and being, you know, prudent about our overheads has enabled us to run a, you know, a really profitable business year over year. So you mentioned profit, but what about sales, Charlotte? You know, I've heard some really amazing numbers across the three brands, but what can you tell us there? So I'm very pleased to say that we are on track to hit our 2021 um, sales target of 30 million, uh, wholesale sales target of $30 million. Um, that's about a 25% growth on LY. Um, so I'm super happy with that. And then, you know, the, the, uh, going from 2019 to 2020, we actually, um, were able to stay flat. You know, I was, there was a point in time where we weren't sure if we were going to see a bit of a decline because of the, obviously brick and mortar being closed, et cetera, but we, uh, stood firm and were able to, uh, to, to stay flat on the previous year. But yeah, we've got some really exciting business happening, some great new retail openings, and uh, we expect our growth next year to be probably in the the, the mid to late forty percent growth. That's fantastic, Charlotte. I mean, I feel like you're becoming your own mini conglomerate in your in your own way. I don't know who's going to be able to acquire you when you've got three, maybe four, or five brands coming up <laughs> in the next couple of years. But Charlotte, you know, Charlotte, you mentioned something about the retail relationship, and you know, when you were with working on Ciate and the idea of pigment and texture and bringing that to other categories. And then of course, Gen Z, you know, a lot of this, a lot of retailers that we all shop from and love, you know, do push their brands for more, more, more. How do you kind of negotiate what's right for you versus, you know, what's just another product on the shelf that may or may not resonate or that say is competing with what you've already got? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. I mean, with with all of the brands, we tend to launch new product once a quarter. And with Ciate, that is a brand that's very, very um, reliant on, on product development, on innovation, on, on bringing that never been seen formulation to the market first, be it through delivery system or um, the formulation itself, and we have sh we have proven that over the years, bringing not just in the nail days, but in the color days. You know, we have launched a number of different products to the market that were a complete world first. Um, so, when we are presenting these ideas and concepts to our retailers, we tend to bring them in the kitchen with us from an early stage, and kind of when we're even at the blue sky point of that PD discussing it with them then um, and then taking them through that PD process because you know as I'm as as, as you know the R&D process of developing a new product can be really time consuming and it can be really long and so by working with our retailers closely you know they feel really part of that and invested in that 
Um, and I think that has also helped our success so much. And it also stops the pressure of, well, you just need to give us you just need to give us 10 new products and 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 it just needs to be 10 products and, and, and it's not so um, considered about what they are. I would say that we have always launched product with Ciate that deserves its place. It's not just, oh, it's just another eyeliner. Like everything that we launch has to be unique. It has to solve a problem um, if it can. Um, and because generally the product that we're launching is real pure innovation um it isn't just a regular item and uh, so it garners a lot of excitement a lot of press um, and then we also have a really um uh defined collaboration strategy so twice a year we launch um, a collection with either a talent or ip with disney or warner brothers or alike um, and, and and we've been doing that now for the last three years. You know, a couple of years ago, we launched a collection with Jessica Rabbit, the star of uh, Who Who um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. We did a collection last year with Miss Piggy. We just launched a collection with Edna Mode, the uh, incredible um, uh, stylist out of the Incredibles film. And when we're thinking about these collaborations, we aren't interested in just putting a pretty picture of a of an uh, of a disney ip on the top of our pack instead we look for characters or real people talent musicians whatever it may be who really stand for the same qualities of our ciate consumer you know we want them to be uh, badasses we want them to be fearless we want them to be feminists we want them to be boss babes and and um if you look back at all the various collaborations that we've done over the years you know jessica rabbit was not waiting in the tower waiting to be saved by prince charming oh no no <laughs> she was the she was the badass saving her husband in brackets rabbit from the from the boot of the the car and you know, Miss Piggy has been rocking our screens for the last 40 years, always talking about body positivity. And, you know, she's the original feminist. So we love to do collaborations like this because the entire marketing strategy that we can put around that has meaning. It has purpose. Um, and that's what really excites us. So when we're going to our retailers and presenting that level of deep thinking into what we are launching we don't get a lot of pushback about you know well we just need five more products because actually what we are presenting delivers so much more than just another makeup product that I, I think it excites them and 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 gets them um gets them uh, thrilled about the opportunity and My Little Pony is coming up next, correct? Yes. So uh, Lottie um, just announced, we just announced it this week. Uh, we've just uh, collaborated with My Little Pony. Um, you know, Lottie's collaboration strategy is all about 90s nos nostalgia from your childhood, you know, that kind of Y2K, you know, the 90s fashion, everything about the 90s is coming back in abundance, you know, the fashion, the accessories, you know, there's all these TikTok videos at the moment of girls using the flip phones that we used to use <laughs> and they use it for their videos because it's aesthetic and they're, you know, these flip phones are being sold on eBay for ridiculous money because 
girls are snapping them up for their TikTok content. <laughs> and um, so we really wanted to do something fun about My Little Pony because there isn't many little girls and maybe little boys who do not, you know, who in their fond memories at some point would have played with a My Little Pony. And uh, I'm, I'm sure that, that that's part of everyone's kind of childhood, no matter what age, you know, certainly for me, but also my daughter's 15 and, and she played with My Little Pony. So it's just an incredible part of people's childhood. And we love to evoke that childlike wonderment in everything that we do across Ciate and Lottie, to be honest. Um, that nostalgia, I think, is it really resonates with um, it resonates with us as a, as a company and with my team. And um, we're such a creative bunch of people that give us an asset or give us an IP like My Little Pony. And we're going to go crazy with it. For example, the other day, the launch event, we had an influencer event, which is very exciting because, you know, for a year we couldn't host anything like that. And we took some pedalos um in in victoria park in london there's a lake there and we basically pimped these pedalos and gave them my little pony heads and uh made them look like ponies and and so all of the influencers were um uh, what do you do to a pedalo cycle it i guess like cycling a pedalo over the water that was like a, a floating pony and it was so well received it was so fun that we just love all of the opportunity that these collaborations bring and it just sets our minds alight at everything that we can do with it. Talk to me a little bit about Gen Z. I think so many of us are still trying to figure um, them out. You know, I have some nephews who are teenagers and I, I have no idea what they're doing, to be honest. And I'm in my mid thirties, but it, it seems like the Lottie London and obviously Skin Proud seems to get it in this fun, exciting way, but you're also bringing it to them in really unusual distribution channels. You know, I think a lot of people are excited about what Walmart's doing, but it may not have been an obvious choice. Could you talk about that? Yeah, so um, Walmart, the, the opportunity with Walmart, I mean, we're, we've, we're just right now rolling into 600 stores for Lottie and 3,000 stores for Skin Proud. And we've been really excited um, by what Walmart is doing with their beauty strategy. You know, Masab and his team, have you know moved at lightning speed with this um beauty strategy and they're really forging a path um to put walmart beauty on the map as a place of discovery um and for delight and i think that again you know bringing that gen z consumer into their beauty aisle so you know, they have really doubled down on their indie brand launches over the last few months. And obviously, we are thrilled that Lottie and uh, Skin Proud is part of that strategy. Um, you know, Walmart gives a, a brand like us incredible scale. They are they are incredible company. You know, their commitment to social challenges and environmental issues is is incredible. You know, I mean, that they're, 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 they 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 don't probably even shout it out as loudly as they should with, with what they do. I mean, even um, what they did for racial justice. And I think that all of these qualities and values is so meaningful to the Gen Z consumer today. You know, she has a really set set of values um, and they are paving the way, you know, they are, they care about this planet. They want to make change. They are 
advocates for inclusivity and equality. Um, and I think that that is, it's really special. It's a really special demographic. The fact that they live on, you know, social channels and on screen, um, that's where they live. That's where they exist. And I think for, for the Lottie brand, it's just, it, it's an incredible place for creativity. You know, we create product that enables that demographic to unleash their creativity in any which way that they want to. If you, you know, never have we seen a demographic be able to change their hair color five times in one week. Um, pierce, you know, pierce places on their bodies that you didn't even know was possible. And, you know, they're, but they do it in an artistic way way it's about self-expression it's about you know if I think about myself when I was 16 17 everybody looked the same Priya you know we all dressed the same absolutely we all dressed the same and if and there was different like different groups of people but when you were assigned to a certain group or you you kind of forged a certain group you all dressed the same. And if you didn't, you were kind of odd or the odd one out. And what I love about this Gen Z community or demographic today is that each one of them has the confidence just to say, this is me. This is how I dress. I want pink hair today. By Saturday, it's going to be green. Um, I'm going to, you know, this is how I'm wearing my makeup. And they, you know, they they just have bundles of confidence like never before and that is obviously you know that has been helped hugely by social media and and that they've they've grown up on social media they don't know any other way but social media you know they've had that as part of their life their whole life um and I just yeah I mean the vibrancy of Lottie the fact that it's all built around the community it's just the the perfect brand for Gen Z do you think that you know the Gen Z consumer or or your girl or a young woman really understands that all of these brands are connected or that do you want for them to know this, that there's a connection between say Lottie and Skin Proud, or do you really like that they have their own identities and can stand on their own? Uh, we've built them to have their own identities. So we don't, um, we don't actually uh, put them together in any which way. Um, we don't link them. You know, when we were creating Lottie, somebody put it to me that it should be launched as Ciarte's younger sister. That's how it should be positioned as a diffusion brand. And I really didn't want to do that. I felt that that has worked really well in fashion. I haven't seen it work so well in the world of beauty historically. Um, and I think that, you know, these brands are strong enough in their own right to stand on their own and earn that customer to earn that customer's interest and earn the customer to to spend their hard-earned uh, money on the on the products and or their mum's hard-earned money on the products <laughs> um and so yeah it's never really been a strategy to to market them as as connected or as part of a a family of brands um yes we run them as one as one company as our as our brands but you know as you said, you know, many, many conglomerates do that and, and do it very successfully. We're just a baby, baby, baby conglomerate. <laughs> do you feel like you have some secret sauce with your daughter being 15 when you think about what she's doing and what she's watching and, and what her friends are doing? Oh, my goodness. I'm obsessed. I'm 
I mean, her friends must think I'm the stranger's mom because they all come over and I have this house full of teenagers. And, you know, I, I love watching them do their TikTok dances and I love watching them get ready and what makeup are they putting on? I'm constantly asking all of her friends questions of, oh, show me what's in your makeup bag and, oh, show me how you wear that and how do you apply that? And they've, you know, they've got all of this unique little application skills going down and they're teaching me stuff and um I I just yeah I I absolutely love it I love watching how she reacts to trends um you know and and how she how she uh you know conducts herself when it comes to her style her makeup um and and yeah so I mean I I just obviously I'm biased and I see this this young girl growing into this beautiful young lady and it just makes me so proud but her friends I mean I I just I, the, all of them together this house just is like it lights up with all of this in teenage energy and and uh yeah so I'm kind of the the bit of a crazy mum asking all the questions about um <laughs> everything where did you buy that so what are you doing there so what is this it's a TikTok haul oh show me how you do this and so um your own little focus it group, is it, sounds like. it is <laughs> tell us you know you just launched Skin Proud last year you're going into Walmart right now which is obviously a huge huge endeavor with how many Walmarts there are all over the country in the U.S. but tell me what you're thinking for 2022 is a fourth brand on the horizon or are you really about doubling down like what's next so um I'm we are really doubling down across 2022. Um, you know, we, as, as you said, you know, these new launches within Walmart are, are quite fresh. So we're going to be using all of our efforts to double down with the three brands that we currently have. But yes, there are um, a couple more brands in the works right now. Um, but a launch date is not defined in any which way. Um, but we're certainly in the background, doing the work, doing the research and um, getting ourselves in a place where, you know, at the, when it, the time is right and the market is right, we're ready to bring um, some exciting new brands to the market. Any hints you can share with us? Well, oh, I'd get, I, I'm too bad at hints. I'll just end up giving it away. I promise I I oh, promise okay. you this. I promise you this. <laughs> when I when I know when I'm launching it, you and I will jump back on a podcast and I will tell you about it first. <laughs> Sounds perfect. Thank you so much Charlotte for being here. This has been so wonderful. Thank you for having me Priya. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for tuning into the Glossy Beauty podcast. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you're listening. See you next week. Thank you.